Welcome back to Pandora, all of you Navi fans out there. This is Quality Check Podcast. I'm already messing up. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me back, one of the new Tolkens, Tukens, right, is Drew Douglas. (laughs) What are you talking about? All right, so the whales and... I'm I'm scared. I almost think you might need to restart I know. So is it uh, Tolkien? 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 I want to say right off the bat, we're getting right into this. Right off the bat, um, I'm not an expert on Avatar, Pandora, any of the places in Pandora, the characters. I'm just a fan. So I don't know the answer to it. I know what you're talking about, but I don't have the answer it's to the, it. It's the big whale. And I mean, they look great and it's amazing. And oh, I know yeah. that you said you can't wait to see that in IMAX. And that I kept thinking the same thing. I'm kind of jealous that you were seeing that in IMAX. Or it was did beautiful. See it. Yeah. Uh, now we should say, I guess right off the bat, one, we're talking about Avatar The Way of Water. No surprise there. Two, Spoiler City. This is going to be a spoiler cast on Avatar Way of the Water. You know, I'm really excited because this is the big, the sequel to the biggest movie ever at the box office. A lot of... I mean, the first movie's kind of... I'm not going to say scarred with hate, but there's a lot of people slamming it and I mean uh, to be fair I was also slamming the first movie for a while too just in terms of the story graphically it looked amazing but now we finally get the return of Pandora after 13 years of waiting on Jimmy C James Cameron and company to update the technology or get the technology up to a point where they can start working on this and in 2017 that's when they started shooting this took them about three and a half years three to three and a half years to shoot both, both of the performance capture and then the like principal or the photography outside of the performance capture. It's it's crazy to think that it's taken this long, but you have to respect Jimmy C. One, as we've talked about, the world building of Avatar, and two, the just the lengths that he will go to make the movie that he wants to make in the way that he wants to make it. Right? You know, if it's not yeah. time, we don't have the technology. We're not going to do it. Uh, it's been so long, one, 2009, since we've had a, a proper James Cameron movie in theaters. With this being yeah. back in theaters, I woke up Friday. It was released, you know, Thursday night. But that weekend, I had this weird feeling. But it just felt good to know that there was a James Cameron movie playing in theaters. And I know he hasn't, his filmography is pretty small, if you think about it. But something about yeah. it just filled me with so much excitement. And this is, I I don't think it's been since Avengers Endgame that there was a movie that was out and it felt like you were a part of something when you went and saw it. Like it was that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen, I don't think, very much um, in our, I don't know, it just feels like it doesn't happen a lot anymore. And I know we get big movies all the time and maybe that's why it doesn't feel that way, but for some reason... And maybe just because it's taken so long to get to this point where it could be released, but it it felt like I was in a theater of a, a quite a few people, and it felt like you are at a big event that you're going to remember for a very long time as just a a big movie fan, right? Did you have that feeling when you mm-hmm. went into it? Oh yeah, and then also leading up to it, I think it was like the week before. And then the week of, and my excitement just kept building because like you said, it was this idea of 
we're seeing a James Cameron movie and it's in theaters and we've waited for 13 years, which is interesting because I believe it's 12 years between Titanic and then Avatar and then Avatar and this is 13. So this idea that we're spacing these out and we just have not had a James Cameron movie on the big screen and like playing not just any movie, but this is playing into this idea. Like you said, it is an event. It feels like something big, massive. It's a huge spectacle. And this is just something that I got really hyped about right before going to see it. And then I started thinking, the other thing is normally with James Cameron movies, we've got Aliens, we've got T2, we've got his movies that are sequels that end up being better and sometimes almost as good as the first one. And so I started thinking about that, in which I hadn't thought about that aspect in a while, and that made me more excited for it. So 100%, I was like in that mindset, it's very similar to you, but I did not go see it like you early in the morning. <laughs> And I also went to go see it. I saw it in uh-huh. 3D, but it was on. It was it was in a premium screen or premium auditorium where I went to go see this, and it was in 3D. But it wasn't in the IMAX, and it wasn't like Dolby Digital or anything like that. It was just 3D. Uh, now for you, it was on the IMAX in 3D. Was it like also? Dolby Atmos or anything like that? I believe so. I'd have to look. It said too that it was in the high frame rate. Which okay. a lot yeah. of people have too. complained about, and I actually thought I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it looked great. The 3D, actually, I like that. I did too. Um, we got were any of your trailers in 3D? So funny story about this. Um, I only saw one trailer, and that was Ant Man. Oh, because you were you were running late. Yeah, or I was not running not late. running late, but you were you were it's crunch time when you had to get there. It, you're right, yeah. And I was running late from work, leaving work later than I wanted. And I originally was going to get in there, and I was going to like sit down and watch all of the trailers. I was pumped. Like I wanted to treat this as like I wanted to spend four hours in a movie theater, which sounds nuts, but no. I did. This is <laughs> the time to do it. I think that's yeah. I was excited to do the same thing. But now the one and only movie trailer that I did see was in 3D, and that was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. Mm-hmm. I, I bring that up because one, and we'll get to some of the exclusives that IMAX got, but the only 3D trailer that we got was for Ant-Man. And so I put my glasses on and immediately I'm like, uh-oh, I think I might have made a huge mistake because it didn't, I didn't think it looked good. It reminded, and I'm sure they didn't obviously piece that trailer together for 3D. Like Avatar was specifically made for 3D. Um, so there a lot of love and care went into making it look the best it could. That trailer, though, I was like, this one, it, it just looked, it reminded me of like the the 3D look, I mean, you know, when it's super popular like a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I didn't, I wasn't huge on it back then. And I was super concerned about how Avatar was going to work. And I, in my head, I'm like, okay, this is just a trailer. I'm sure the movie's going to look a lot better. And thank God it did. Uh, the 3D for this is amazing. Yeah, honestly, the first... And it's interesting because I've thought a lot about this, but 3D movies typically end up front-loading. And what I mean by that is in the first 20, 30 minutes especially, but normally it's like the first 20 minutes, 
they chock it full of a lot of really cool 3D scenes. And I felt that way about the first movie. This movie, I felt the same way because there were several moments where seeing it in 3D, it, it just felt more real, just like in person. And the other thing that I, I don't know if this was an element of 3D. I don't know if this was the element of we've already spent another movie with the Navi and we are, we know that there are people that are portraying them, but this time I think it was more real that it felt like these characters were real, like real human beings. Because most of the movie is spent with Navi. Like they're, they're, that's just what we see. And I don't know if you felt that way, but I, I did feel like it was the coupling of 3D making it feel more lifelike. The high frame rate also, I think, added to that, but also knowing that we're spending most of this time with the Na'vi in the Avatar form and not human form. I think that's what, you know, made it feel that way. And also having Spider, who's the young boy in this, who isn't Na'vi, he's just a, a human boy. I think having him there with the family and all, you know, all people as well, or all Na'vi, that made it seem even more so like that. So, that, that's kind of what I felt. And there was a time I actually kind of caught myself thinking, oh, wait, I'm not watching like this isn't a human. This is all like computer. This is all generated by graphics. And it's blowing my mind because it made me forget for a little while that I'm not watching a real like human performance. It's all computer generated. Yeah, it's weird, too, because we were, I think, super underwhelmed by the trailer. And I remember thinking it doesn't look. Um, it doesn't look like it's been worth that long wait. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why it took so long. And then you see it in its proper form. And I was like completely in the world of Pandora. There's moments too, when you get like little, like little flames that would kind of fall around the screen that it felt (laughs) literally, (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? I didn't like, I it took me out of it in a way that I thought it was real, mm. you know, little sparks. And there was a moment yeah. where late in the, like late in the movie, um, there's a character like in the foreground that moves across the screen. And I literally thought it was somebody in the aisle in front of us walking in front of me. Oh. And I'm, I would like move kind of like twist, turn my head a little bit to get, to get around them. And I realized, Oh, that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like, uh, it, it looked, it was well worth the, the the nearly $30 ticket for the IMAX 3D. Um, I, I wonder how it's going to look seeing it normal. Like, you know, mm. when I, I, I would buy this on 4K or if you stream it like on Disney Plus. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to look as good. I wonder if it's going to be as immersive. Um, but if this is the kind of 3D technology, well, and I, I texted you this earlier, they're shooting all these movies now for IMAX and the the amount that they're shooting for IMAX is getting more and more like it used to just be we have 10 minutes of action that's going to be shot now like more and more of that the whole film is being shot for that format and I love it I love you get so much more and it's not radically different because you obviously have to get the main focus on a normal theatrical screen but it just somehow makes the scope seem so much bigger yeah, I think especially with Jimmy C, seeing 
the way that he has how he just frames a shot in this entire movie seems so cinematic and shooting it that way I love and especially as and I know you said we'll get into this later but like Mission Impossible seeing some of the stuff the behind the scenes and then with Nolan's Oppenheimer that we'll end up getting knowing that Nolan shot it in IMAX form this idea I mean it just makes it feel more of an event more of like a like cinematic event and that's where I really do think I know Cruise was all about, all right, well, one way that we're going to keep movie theaters alive is making it cinematic, making it feel like this. And looking at a movie like Avatar, The Way of the Water, it's like, it definitely feels that. I mean, he accomplished it. And that's where we can end up, you know, looking to examples like this to say, that's worth going to a theater to see. Not every movie is going to, they're going to put as much into the 3D as this one. So I do think the IMAX, that whole idea is just the smartest way to attract people, probably like you and me, that are looking for a more like immersive experience. I wish your Regal had an IMAX in it. It's the AMC theater in town. So that's kind of a bummer. You would have to basically flip a lease. I know, and I, I was bit. tempted. I was tempted to do that. And then a few, I mean, what is it, like 45, 50 minutes out, there's a, an IMAX, and that's out of town. And there's another one, and this used, this was in Tulsa, and there's an IMAX at my favorite theater there. Loved it. It was a great, I mean, it's a massive IMAX. It's like a true, true form IMAX, you know, where it's giant. The sound is wonderful, all that. Um, but yeah, that's where, in a case like this, I was so tempted to go see it on IMAX. And I'm not opposed. I'm still, because I still feel like going to see this movie again. Yeah. Weirdly, I'm too. I went with my wife and she really, the, the runtime was a huge negative for her. She was like, it didn't need to be that long. I felt it a little bit, but I was so into it in so many different ways that she was she was surprised when she, she was like, would you see that again? I'm like, absolutely. I would see it again in theaters. I probably won't, but I definitely want to buy this and rewatch it. I was very soft on the. We've talked about this before. Really soft on the original. Rewatched it, liked it more. Watched it again a third time before this movie came out, and I. It's bumped up quite a bit in my rankings. Um, I have. It's just hard not to respect Jimmy C. Everything about just the the amount that went into this movie. I feel like. We don't get that a lot. And rewatching it and and just thinking about the world. Um I don't know. All it's like bow down before Jimmy C. <laughs> well, I you know, with going and, and rewatching it, I even thought at first because I'm like, I I think I'll just rewatch it in two D. But now after seeing it in three D, I'm like, you know what, I'm not opposed to going and seeing it in three D again. And this time I would like to see it in an, an IMAX form. Yeah. I really I I can't imagine not seeing it in 3D. This movie too was loud as hell. The sound was amazing and it when it boomed, it rattled the theater so much that it almost sounded like I could hear metal <laughs> clanking. You know, and I was like, where is that coming from? I don't know if it was like coming from the seats like vibrating and the metal moving or something, but I was like, dang, that's some power right there. It wasn't too much it wasn't like so loud I, I wanted to like plug my ears, but it was it was great sound. Uh, you know, it's funny that you say that too, because that's one aspect of this movie where I'm like, man, 
it's just the sound of a James Cameron movie. He does, he puts so much into his movies, but one is the sound and like the sound design. It's all just amazing. It just sounds so good. Like the gunfire and the fire and then, you know, the, the waves and just the, just everything. It just sounded so expertly created and it's like every single shot and frame was meticulously constructed that it was it felt like the entire movie was made with care. So I love how we're basically gushing about this and you can pretty much determine what we feel about it um, so far. I mean, I want to say, too, this movie is so long that the, the yeah. plot itself is pretty basic. But I walked away feeling overwhelmed and that is another reason why I do want to see it. It's because it's so long. There's so many different moving pieces. And while the plot is pretty simple, it's gonna. It's hard for me to discuss this movie. I feel like I really need yeah. to watch it like two and or three more I, times. And that's interesting, too, because we do just dive right into the movie. Like, it starts, and we get, we get it going. I did find, like, there are several questions that I do have, and we'll get into that. Into that. But... The first, as you mentioned, with it being so overwhelming, I love the fact that we're basically watching, in a sense, an animated movie where it's all, it's, it's like the Lion King, the, the new Lion King. I mean, we do have the interaction of real, like Spider, as I mentioned, and other humans. But outside of that, which it's very a very small percentage for a three-plus-hour movie, this feels like it does not feel like an animated movie it feels real this is the first time i felt like pandora to me was like this is a real place and now i'm starting to turn into those people where i'm like i don't really want to leave it (laughs) yeah i was gonna say do you have pads so that was the post avatar depression syndrome which was a thing when the original came out and i guess you could you could almost call it like a seasonal depression type thing. Yeah. Where where people were so into the world and nature of Pandora that when the movie ended and they had to like go back into reality, they and I guess it's not funny. Cause I have felt this way about like shows that I've been super invested in. Yeah. And and I have a genuine sense of sadness that I, I'm like, I miss these characters, I miss these stories, I miss this world. But they felt like that deep sadness when mm-hmm. they had to return to reality. I think of the two movies, this is the one I felt the most. I was moved with tears in my eyes multiple times in this movie, um, which I guess we could get into. Like, did I was invested for whatever reason into this one more. I think it has to do with the fact that the whole thing is just built around Jake Sully and his family. Yeah. And we're introduced to, I mean, there's moments where we're like, we see his kids being born and growing up. And then by the end of it, one of his sons dies and it all comes full circle. And we have this dialogue about, you know, the, the ocean and the water. And I'm not sure specifically what he says, but how is there before us and will be there after us. And for some reason, you know, especially getting older, I think about mortality more. And this just hit the spot. The, yeah. All the family stuff got me good. I think about, having kids and all that. I, I think that's why this one is so much more successful than the first one is the the stakes somehow feel so much bigger because it's all built around family and what are you going to do to protect it? And 
I don't know. Did does Jake Sully make the right decision? Because he bolts where they were living because he's trying to escape the return of Stephen Lang's character. And I guess he does it for the right reasons. He wants to protect his family and then the people that he was living with, yeah. the community. But in doing so, he he goes somewhere else and basically makes their life a living hell <laughs> <laughs> by putting them in the line of danger. And I'm like, what should Jake have done? And that's another reason why I think it just, it moved the needle for me in terms of exploring the world of Pandora more. I mean, we're just seeing the creatures, the vegetation. We're seeing what it looks like at sunset. And we are getting this interesting eclipse. And we just get to see the Navi where there are different tribes. And there are different, you know, it's the water people and the forest people. And like this idea of there's so much more to the world. And I love how Cameron was originally like, all right, well, we'll go explore another world. But then he's like, wait a second. If I've created this world and... Yeah, every, every you have everything that you need right there. Yeah, and, and he was like, I mean, we could do a story on Earth and you're not going to cover all of the different places that exist on Earth. So why not just go to a different place? And I love this idea because there's already this, what he's created, this base. And I know because of that reason, that's why I was more invested, this idea of this family dynamic where... We're now, we've established Soli. We've established actually Soli's, the family of the Soli's, uh, which I found to be funny. But um, just there's also this dynamic of now, and James Cameron talked about this too, but it's having a mixed race family where Jake is human. He's an avatar. And there's something fascinating that there are so many elements to this story that felt real and grounded that it, to me, really pulled me in, whereas the first movie didn't pull me in as much. And there's, even though it is a very basic, very straightforward storyline, I think it's built in terms of the characters that we have. And it is more of a character study. And it is more of a, and, and, and those characters, it's not just those who we get for, you know, like the living, breathing Jake and, and, and others, but it's also Pandora. We're seeing more... A Pandora, and to me, it's also, I love seeing the underwater elements. There's something that's to me, has always been fascinating about the ocean, but I've never, like, been obsessed like James Cameron has about exploring the ocean. I just think, I think it's awesome. It's cool whenever we get to explore more of that, and we definitely did in this movie. And so that's why, in this case, that's why I'm more invested, but also this idea of, okay, well, now Jake's got a fight, and he's known as the insurgent. He turned against humans to end up, fighting for the Navi, and he's like, this is what I stand for now. And I think there are more elements of that in which there's been an establishment of character, world, but a further exploration of those things, and knowing that we're going to explore it even more actually gets me excited. Normally, I would be annoyed thinking, okay, well, this is yet again, we're waiting for the next movie, the the sequel that follows, and we're just leaving everyone kind of hanging on a thread. And I didn't feel that way with this. I think there it was truly from a place of trying to explore the characters and world even more. And so the stakes did feel higher because of that reason. It's a, there's more to expect, but yet if someone dies, that's going to affect the stories, and it's going to affect who we see and how we see and all that. I know I've said before that the idea that Jimmy C is maybe ending his filmography career because he's getting up there 
in in the world of Avatar and he's not doing something else. That always kind of bummed me out. But after this movie, I definitely am very excited for a third one. And if if they do well and he wants yeah. to do more, I'm I'm weirdly like invested in this now. To where if this is yeah. how he wants to end his career with the bulk of it being Avatar movies, I think I'm okay with that. Because we've seen that there is way more to Pandora than we, I guess, I would have originally thought. And mm-hmm. I wonder, where do you go next? Do you do, do you think they'll do like a snow-type mountain? You know, you do something totally oh, different? that would rule. Um, no, when we yeah. left the movie, I always think of things to ask my wife, and one was, and she had the same question, would you rather live in the forest or in the water, you know, in the water area? I like the ocean stuff personally. For sure. Because it, it was gorgeous. And this is the kind of underwater look that I think Aquaman got to a degree. And I know Wakanda Forever wanted to stray different from that, but it was, we complained that it was too murky and mm-hmm. not fun. This is the kind of underwater stuff that I want to see. It's gorgeous. It's amazing looking. I love one of the other things that got me emotionally beyond the family stuff was the character's connection to nature and the Mm -hmm. way that one of his solely sons connects with his, I don't even know. Is it a whale? I don't, whatever that thing is, the whale thing, um, speaking with it and connecting to it and the relationships they have. Uh, I love that so much. And I know Jimmy, he's got a huge, like avatar is, deforestation and stuff like that. This is saving the ocean, saving wildlife. I think it's done in a way that's not smashing you over the head, but it's done where anybody with a soul should be able to watch that and go, he's not wrong. You know, we should be taking care of our oceans and everything inside of it. He also does, you know, the, the characters in the first one, the bad guys, they're, they're bad. And this one, they're ramped up like by 20. I hated the bad guys in this so much. <laughs> Stephen Lang, thank God, he had a thing with men's fitness recently where, where it was like, look at his gym and his fridge. And I don't know Stephen Lang outside of the characters that he plays. He usually is is like kind of a rough and tough guy, right. I feel like. A guy that doesn't seem very nice. He was so tender mm-hmm. in this interview. And I was like, oh my gosh, he seems like such a jolly fellow, which is good to see. <laughs> Because I could, I can't stand him in these movies. He's such an a hole. Yeah. Um, they had the like New Zealand men on the boat that drove me crazy. I hated them so much, and was just rooting for them to die so much. Uh, <laughs> so like, props to creating these awful characters. Uh, what do you think about Stephen Lane coming back? I had no idea he was going to be the main antagonist in this. He comes back. He's now a full like Navi member in terms of his mm-hmm. look. Cause he dies in the original. Um, I didn't know this. And, and this is maybe my biggest annoyance is by the end of this movie, he's saved by his son. And I was like, Oh my God, he survives. Like really? We got to bring this <laughs> yeah. guy back. And I guess he's going to be the main villain for at least the first three and I think that they said that he would he's in all the the first four movies. He's going to be in it as some sort of antagonist. I don't know if I like that. I 
we can't like come up with something else. All right. So the Stephen Lang stuff, I have a question because I'm curious and I don't know if I missed something or not. But before I get into how I feel about it, what like how did he come back in this avatar? Because they took his memory and put him in this avatar body. As you said, he clearly died. But there was some time that passed on. I'm kind of confused. Why did that not happen like immediately? Was that something that they found his body and they used his memory? But wouldn't that have decayed and died? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused with what happened with that. Like how do they transfer his memories and all that stuff? We know he's not the same person. He basically is. So like how do they get that? I'm assuming they got his body relatively fast after he died and somehow I took took what they needed. I, I this is the thing with this world is they can James Cameron if he needs to in every movie in any situation he can be like, "Oh, we have this technology." And this apparently was True. I guess something they had. I One know of those situations. <laughs> yeah, and they they do that some other um I can't remember what, but I, I was like, oh, that they literally just he just created something just to fill this plot. Uh, it was I can't remember what it was, but it was something we hadn't been introduced. In, and then it was just like, oh, we can do this. And I'm like, OK, I guess that makes sense. There's a lot to this world that we don't know. So it's basically a free for all of whatever we need. He can create. I'm mostly OK with that, I think. Um because I mean, he was cool in this movie. I just don't know if I need him at least one more time, let alone two more times. Right, and that's where I was a little upset that he, like you said, his son saved him because then I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm, so you're telling me Spider, who went spent the entire movie hating him, couldn't kill him? or lo- He wasn't even killing him. He just basically wouldn't let him, let him die. So that's a thing for me. I had a little bit of a problem with that. But, I mean, it's like, all right, I, whatever. I think it kind of makes sense. It it does. There is a moment where Spider is about to get his throat ripped, slit, potentially. And Steve Ling's character is just like, no, no, I'll, I'll trade you. And makes the deal. Even though he said that he wouldn't. So I think there's a lot of emotional... When they got a, they got a lot to get... Uh, I think by the, by the end of this, and I thought Spider was going to full-on join their side. I think by the... Yeah. One of these movies, they're going to reconnect and they're going to be on the same page. Yeah, I agree. And I'm surprised it didn't happen in this one, but I think I think Spider's going to have to grow up a little bit. Did you like the the Spider character? I, I think it's an interesting hey. idea, but yeah, eh, it was you know, probably my least favorite thing. Yeah, I think so. I didn't hate him. Um, I just didn't love him. I think that was probably the weakest link, to be honest. I do, I do love the concept. I like the idea, and I like how Jimmy C. tried to work that into, like, h- how, how would a family, like, basically adopt him, bring him in? And and he loves having kids interest- in movies. We got Aliens. Yeah. We got T2. We have this one. What, uh, anything else? I think that's probably it. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I'm sure going back there would be other elements. Like, you can't really say true lies because it doesn't really feature... Harry's kids yeah, all that much. She's not in it a ton, but I I will yeah. say too. Walking away from this movie, this is this is James Cameron's like greatest hits. The, yes, the back half okay. of this is like straight up Titanic. 
We okay. got horror elements from like Terminator or T2. Um, obviously Avatar. Aliens. There's an Aliens vibe to this because it's all Marines and grunts, and he loves that stuff. It's just and, everything. And Spider comes into play. Exactly. Everything that he has done in his career is like all come to this point, which is interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating that you say that because I felt the exact same way after, like, as soon as this movie, no, it wasn't even when it ended. I want to say like maybe midway through, I'm like, holy crap, this should be called Avatar, James Cameron's greatest hits because... Mm -hmm. Like you said, everything, there are so many moments I could point to, like the whole flooding. And with that, as you mentioned, Titanic, I could point to those various moments and say, that's from this movie. That's from this movie. That's from this movie. I don't um, say that as a bad thing either. I, do, I like no. that it feels like even if this was his last movie, it would make the most sense in the world. In the world. A hundred percent agree because it was almost like he was giving ode to those movies. And if you've stuck with him this entire time, you're like, all right. So it's it's not like he's retreading that, but he's doing it using avatars. And in a ways, it feels like, did he approach this and say, you know, I did that with those movies and those were humans, even though like Terminator, you've got a cyborg. And then with aliens, you've got literally an alien. But in this case, I'm using avatars in this way, in this world that's been set up. I'm going to apply what I've done in the past and use it here, which I thought was super interesting. And to me... Going back, I think that adds to the rewatchability, if anything else. So we mentioned, you know, the fam- the Sully family that expands in this movie. I weirdly had a tough time differentiating between the older son and the younger son. I did, did too. Do you have that issue, too? Like, there's moments I was like, I don't remember which one this is. Because they were, they all have a look to them. And I do like that within the world of Pandora, they the Navi look different. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if the people on the water, are, are they considered Navi? Pardon yeah. my ignorance. Yeah, but they had like a, a unique look that was probably like an evolution of where they lived. And it yeah. made sense to why they looked that way. I like that. I like that they had different, like a different color blue. And then mm-hmm. obviously stuff that would allow them to survive where they lived. But there was a little confusion on who I was watching at time. Kind of like, a, oh, we all look very similar. Which one is this? Especially when the son died, and I was like, wait, which son was that again? <laughs> yeah. That's such a great moment when we get him as a baby, like being raised like Simba. Mm. And then we have him as this teen curled up in fetal position. And it just, again, it goes back to the beginning and end, and it's all circular. Yeah. Thought that was, I, thought, I thought that was so well done. And I love that this movie ends the same way as the original ends, with yeah. you know, the eye pops open, because it gives you... Titanic has the same ending where it somehow leaves you wanting, like feeling happy and wanting to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And I think both these avatars do that in a way that it builds excitement. And like, I'm like, I need more. Yeah. I need to go back to Pandora now. Yeah. I, I was curious if you liked the ending and how it more or less was a repeat in ways. I mean, it wasn't like the, the exact ending, but it was very similar. And especially with the tight shot of the eyes opening. Did like you like that? And then if we end with movie three, Sully will die and the eyes, it's reversed. The eyes Ooh. close. We're going to do a lost. Because it was oh. always Jack Shepard's eyes opening. Now it's going to be, well, I guess it was a lot of the characters doing that. And then it's going to, we're going to reverse it. <laughs> we're going to reverse I, it. We're pulling a lost. Well, now, so James Cameron's talked about how he's going to use each of these sequels as standalone stories. 
which I think are, is great. Now, this one, though, I would argue you had to see the first one before you go into it, right? I I would say so, especially if you want to be invested in it. Yeah. Now, I think you could go in kind of blind, but I was really happy that I rewatched the first one. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, this is a great double feature, like one, two. Uh, now, the third one, I'm curious to see what will happen and where we'll end up going with the story, but also the characters and and also the setting, as you mentioned. I love to get a snowy-like setting and scenery. Um, now, the in terms of, like, I love how he differentiated between the forest and the water, and you brought that up with the people looking different and all that stuff. Overall, though, would you say this is the best-looking graphical movie? Now, I can't really say animated, but the, like the CGI, the best-looking CGI movie ever. I Maybe just because it's, like you mentioned, it's three hours plus and it's basically all created Mm -hmm. there was definitely i didn't really notice much where i was like oh that doesn't look good you know usually you're watching these movies and it's why i think like the the tail end of black panther is not good because it's cg fest and it doesn't look good yeah this you can definitely tell they spent years making and perfecting Mm -hmm. this might be the greatest most immersive film i've ever watched yes yeah I agree. And that's where I paused whenever you said it's the most immersive film experience, because looking back and kind of going back in my mind, I would agree. And like, what else is there? Like I've been invested in movies, but it's Mm -hmm. usually story character driven in terms of just world. I don't know if there's anything as, as good as this, where I was like, I feel like I'm in it. And I do understand it sounds a little silly, but I do understand like walking away from this and being walking outside and, and the, our world is not what this is. Mm-hmm. Well, and feeling a little sadness. Well, and t- I, I agree. And the other thing is, I think, and it's funny, I, even in the first Avatar, there's never been like a movie with 3D that I'm like, that was worth it. This is a time not only did I say was it worth it, but I would almost go as far as to say it is necessary to see this movie in 3D. It's required. I agree. I can't. I seriously can't imagine not seeing this at least once or your first time in not in 3D. Yeah. And I mean, that's where like this is this is kind of making me want to see more 3D, but like solid. I'm not talking about just like cheap. Let's just upgrade this to 3D. I'm talking about like do everything you can because in that case, it makes me pumped. And like the idea of like pulling me in, this is I think the closest we can get to virtual reality on a movie screen without it actually being virtual reality where we put on a headset and we're living in this, you know? And his goal, and he's he's been trying to figure this out, has been how do I make this in 3D without moviegoers having to wear glasses yeah because that's got to be like the next step yeah i don't know if we had the same glasses i don't know if like regal does them all the same but they hurt so bad they were very tight around like my i wore my contacts so thank god i didn't have to put this on over glasses because they they used to be (laughs) oh really they used to be big enough to where you could do that and then i was like i'm not risking that so i put my contacts in and there's a lot of people in the theater that had glasses. And I was like, man, they got to be miserable because it hurt my temples, mm-hmm. hurt the back of my ears. 
it hurt the bridge of my nose. Like they were not comfortable in any way. Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't bad, but they are small. And it's like they're trying to make them stylistic. And it's like, I don't freaking care if they look like I'm part of the men in black. This is supposed to be used for a movie. Like, make it big so that I could put it over my glasses and make it where it's loose. I don't need it like I'm looking over a pier and it's going to fall off into the water. That doesn't matter. I'm watching a movie. So... Yeah, I, that's where I do think they need to end up changing it. And I bet that is a regal thing. They, were, they came in these little plastic bags. Like, each one was individually wrapped. Oh, I a, didn't even get We didn't get ours wrapped. They just oh. handed it to us. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I hope you won. If this was worn by somebody, did you clean it? And they seemed to be clean. But I was a little turned off immediately by that. Oh, interesting. See, where I went, it was prepackaged. Mm. Each one was in its own little bag. Were and they then, like little gray ones? They're black. They were black, not gray. Hmm. I had gray, and they were. I should have taken a picture of it. We actually hmm. walked out of the theater in a way that I could have taken them home with me, and I should have. Oh. But they hurt my more than anything. It hurt the bridge of my nose to the point where I would kind of rest my elbow on the armrest to where I could have my finger like on under like the bottom of the glasses oh, yeah. and, and raise it just a little bit because. It rubbed me raw. And you're watching a three-plus-hour oh, movie. jeez, that sucks. Now, this three-hour, tw- I think it's three hours, 12 minutes. I didn't have an issue with that necessarily. I do think it does feel long. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. It didn't bother me. But there are moments, stretches of this movie, one where we're, like, taken away from Jake and all these characters. Like, we'll follow Stephen Lane's character for a little yeah. bit, and we won't see Jake for a long time, or we're with the kids. I think my favorite moments of this movie is just the exploration of Pandora mm-hmm. when they're just one, the characters are like in this new environment and they're meeting new people and going underwater. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. I could see people finding that very meandering, but I actually was my favorite thing of just taking me underwater. And that's James Cameron in his element of let's have fun in the ocean. Yeah, I agree. I love that was my favorite too, where we're exploring this world, but it's the family and it's the family dynamics of each one is going through this new uh, place on Pandora in their own way. And it's like how the kids are fitting in, but it's like that dynamic. But more than that, it's like how they're hunting, how they're using these new creatures, how they're talking to these new Navi. And like, I just, as you said, they're trying to find someone to bang. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like instantly. Now, Sigourney Weaver's back. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how she was back. Uh, you, I guess you knew that going into it? Sadly, yes. I found out I was listening to interviews with James, and he kept talking about how he's incorporating Sigourney. And they're like, so what was it like having her as a teenager? I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Now I know what that's like, and now I know what's going to happen. Because then they said, because they said the teenager thing, and then... I'm like, well, I might as well just listen now. I know that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't I know wish how. I had the, I, weirdly enough, I I remember seeing something about how she said she had to, she had to play the character like a teen, and I didn't get what that meant. Um, I didn't know that it was like her character. God, what was it? Her avatar oh. was pregnant. Which I didn't, I didn't know any of that, and then that was like kind of a big. 
that's like the big mystery box thing of this movie yeah. is who is Kiri's, I guess, father? Father, yeah. And it makes me wonder, they don't answer it, but it's got to be like the connection to, what are the, a- AWOL or something? What is it called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, life tree or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like do you think that's how it somehow... Because that's how she has, like, such a connection to it. Because through the movie, she's having these visions almost. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I didn't, I honestly did not know. I know, and I've never come up with, like, a really good theory since seeing this in terms of what it could be or who who it could be, rather. And so, man, that's that's a good theory. You think somebody listening just got really mad that I didn't know how to pronounce that name? <laughs> yeah. Someone out there is like so outraged they just threw something across the room. I just hit delete. I'm not listening <laughs> to this idiot anymore. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'm surprised we didn't get an answer. We don't know who Spider's mom is, and it made me wonder if it was Sigourney Weaver's character because Stephen Lang's character and Sigourney are kind of together in the first one in terms of they're in the same setting, and then mm-hmm. they separate. I didn't know if they were smashing at some point. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've I've wondered that. Do you like? I feel like I know Kate Winslet is in this movie, but that character wasn't in this a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't leave a too much a like any of these new characters leave an impression on you. Honestly, the only one that did was Cliff Curtis's character, which is the king of this world. Yeah, he was cool. And that's the only one that, to me, was like, and even then it was like kind of, I'm not going to say passive, but he didn't really make as much of an impact. I will say I connected a lot more to Jake in this movie than in the first movie. And I'm, I'm not even married. I don't even have kids. And I was connecting more to him. But also, there, everything about his family and all of the kids, I liked more. And even Spider to a degree. Like, I, I, I liked seeing that core group explored and even to a degree Stephen Lang even though with him coming back in this I'm like eh that's okay like it I'm not it's more it's interesting I mean they they take it in an interesting way a better way than I would have predicted but again where do we go next because was he going to turn into like a whale like (laughs) what are we going to (laughs) do to make this character interesting and not just be repetitive yeah. Um, we don't need to get into that again. But now, now, one thing I will say, and you brought this up, and you said that you feel like it might feel a little meandering to certain viewers out there, but to me, I would love to see in the third or fourth movie, probably the third film, where we're truly exploring Pandora, and we go on like this mission. It's like an Indiana Jones mission, and we're just having to retrieve something. But it's an ex- exploration of the world and how these other groups and tribes interact with each other and what do their worlds look like and what kind of boundaries do they have? Do they prefer to stay closed off because it seemed like that was the case with the, this water tribe or group? Um, are they, would they prefer not to interact with the forest people or Navi? And, you know, so there are a lot of those questions that I've got in terms of I want, and it wasn't, it didn't hinder or hurt my rating of the movie, but more along the lines of that's what made me want to see more of this because I'm curious. I just want to know more about this that's been created. And the fact that James Cameron's created what he's basically called the Avatar Bible is fascinating where he wrote this. And then for all of the writers, he's like, okay, 
now read this. I've created this. You have to read this and you have to know this before you start working. He's like, turn to James chapter 3, verse 7. <laughs> now, in terms of what's next, do you are you excited to see like in Avatar 3, this idea of exploring more of the world. But, I mean, are you worried? That's what I'm getting at. Are you worried in terms of bringing back Stephen Lang and it's just going to be another fight, another war, more or less? That's my that's my big concern because I do think we've we've set up that the world is so massive that there, there could be a million stories to tell. I just don't want it to be such a high-stakes thing and I don't want it to be a constant battle between these two because it's starting to feel like you know, those Fantastic Beast movies, it was always Grindelwald versus Dumbledore setting that fight up. And they had a five-movie plan, and you're like, why just do it in two movies, if anything. Do it in one, maybe two. And I feel like we're getting this. It's going to be a a three- or four-movie setup for a, this final one-on-one -on -one battle, and I don't like that necessarily. Yeah, and especially with Jimmy C saying, you think where you know where it's going, and especially in Avatar 4, and then it just pulls the rug out from under you, and in his words, it left the executive saying, holy F, which is like, <laughs> what happens in the movie? I know, what's going to happen? Uh, I, You know, at this point, though, I feel like we have to trust Jimmy C. Do you think he would be annoyed by two idiots on the internet calling him Jimmy C? <laughs> I think that he would feel like a made man, like he it's the mob and he's now been made. Although I feel like he's felt like I'm he's sure a made he's, man ever since Titanic came out. <laughs> I'm sure he's... No, he's felt like that since freaking T2 at least. <laughs> Aliens, probably the Terminator. True. Uh, he's he's such an interesting person because you can tell his ego is like off the charts. Yeah, but he's also brilliant. I don't know what to think. Now, where does this? Where does this? Um, I don't. Do you count Piranha Two as his first movie? Because he doesn't count that as one of his movies. Because he's, I think he got like fired two weeks into it or something. So at this point, he's done essentially eight movies. Not counting, you know, the documentary stuff. We have um, The Terminator, which was like the OG. Aliens, T2, The Abyss, True Lies, Titanic, Avatar, now Avatar 2. Where does this kind of... What's your number one? Man. And then where does this rank? Um, and I will say, I don't think... I've seen The Abyss one time. I don't think I've ever seen like his version of it, which apparently is... I think 28 minutes longer. He says that the studio made him shave off 28 minutes or, you know, a half hour. I know that people say that makes a huge difference in that movie. Um, that's not one of my favorites, but I, I know he says the 4K remaster should be out by March at least, and it's going to have that version, you know, his version. So I'm looking forward to rewatching that one. So I want to like kind of, scrub that one because that would probably be my least favorite after one viewing but i don't feel like i've adequately seen the right version yeah and i i don't know why that took me 14 minutes to say but <laughs> what's your number one where does this <laughs> sit in his we'll say eight films my number one i feel has to be t2 i just i just love that movie and it's one of my favorite movies of all time it easily goes in my top five favorite movies of all time i just love Ooh. that yeah it's a it's an amazing movie 
I've for years, for years have said that movie is an almost perfect film because of hitting so many like points of drama, points of action. It's like an emotional movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's the whole father-son relationship, very similar to Avatar 2, um, but it's exploring the father-son dynamics, especially coming from a single mother. This movie sits really high, really high on my list. This movie sits above Avatar. This movie sits above Titanic. Oh, goodness gracious. No, no, no. Yeah. I'll allow it because it's your opinion, but <laughs> I don't agree I know. with that whatsoever. Now, I want to go back and rewatch Titanic because it's been a little while. And and seeing Avatar 2 in the movie, it makes me want to see Titanic 3D, like him restore that. But in th- but then again, I don't no. since it wasn't shot in yeah, 3D. I don't, yeah, I don't, it's not going to look good. Yeah, so. But what if I he's like, wanna I want to shoot it shot for shot remake get everyone back but we're gonna do it for 3d <laughs> and then did you see him doing that yes i could um really so i've been watching jimmy c movies one to get ready for this and then just because he's so good i rewatched t2 the other day i still think that's great my argument is i think aliens is a better film the director's cut or the extended cut whichever i don't know what they call it I think it's better because I prefer Ripley to Sarah Connor. Interesting. I think she's a better character. I think she's more sympathetic. Um, Aliens is, I think, one of the greatest sequels of all time. It's so radically different than the first one, but I do think it is yeah. a better movie. And then number one, I still I love Titanic. That one kills me every single time. There's so many things about it that I love. So that's your favorite, Jimmy C? Yeah, I would do Titanic, Aliens, and then T2. Wow. The Terminator's number four. Coming in at number five. Now, again, I got to rewatch The Abyss. I don't know how high this will climb because that's probably my least favorite. I would say number five, The Way of Water. Hmm. And then I would do the original Avatar. True Lies is a lot of fun. I love that one a lot, but it's it's got some stuff in it. I feel like we recently talked about it where... It's got some icky stuff in it now. <laughs> like stuff that doesn't hold up in terms of, it just feels icky. <laughs> <laughs> and it may, I like, I was like, I, this is, you know, when he makes the wife strip and, oh, it's just like, God, that's just, it doesn't feel right. And then Tom Arnold <laughs> says some insane things and stuff. Um, and this, so it's just a light movie. It's like a fun Sure. popcorn movie and then the abyss i don't know where that goes that could be dead last that could be higher than that could maybe be in the top five after i watch watch it again it's funny because hearing you list those off i'm like all of those movies are i would argue great all of those movies are great mm-hmm. well they're yeah. just so good true lies is it's, not great but it is great and that's what well, it's one of those movies too it came out i think in like 94 Mm-hmm. I was in the fourth grade, third grade maybe, and I I remember, I don't remember seeing it at that time, but I remember watching TV spots and trailers and like recreating <laughs> moments <laughs> from that, like when he's he's swimming in the water and there's like a big fireball that explodes above him. Like I remember recreating those moments. That's um, amazing. I remember growing up. I don't know when I saw T2 for the first time, 
but I remember thinking and like idolizing Edward Furlong's character because he was oh, like yeah. a kid in this awesome movie and just thinking he was like this badass that was so awesome. A hundred percent. He like tapped it, like Cameron like tapped in to something that adults were losing their minds over, but also kids were like, that's awesome because there's a, there's a kid like me in that movie. Yeah. Maybe not to yeah. extent where I was like stealing from ATMs, but <laughs> you know, like this, like I could see myself as this young boy in this wild world. But wanting to wear a a jean jacket, and you want to have like a similar hairstyle, maybe ride on a motorcycle, stuff like that. Exactly. Oh yeah, I had my hair long, like furlongs, and um, it was it was. Uh, I thought he was really like just dope, super dope. <laughs> I, I which is funny to think agree. about and he was like in the beginning of the movie he's like on a dirt bike I'm like I, I'm riding my bike through the through the neighborhood and just thinking I'm freaking John Connor so I don't know it's fun to <laughs> like think back on that and just how long again he's not done a lot of movies but I feel like in my entire life he, there's been like these mm-hmm. milestone moments and I remember in junior high Titanic coming out and that was a huge deal because I remember girls that I was in school with, like, loved DiCaprio. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that's who you were in love with. And I remember seeing that and having the double VHS tape when it eventually came out. It's weird. I, my buddy the other day told me, he was like, I don't, I've kind of realized I'm I'm not, like, huge into Cameron. I'm like, that's so weird to me. Because, again, he hasn't cranked out 40 movies like Spielberg, but for some reason, every single one of these, for various reasons, means something to me in a different way. But I also think it's like that sci-fi nature, not only of his stories, but how he is, it seems like pushing the envelope in every single movie he's done. From a tech standpoint, every one of these movies, or even a practical standpoint like Titanic, or uh, I don't know, any of these movies, he's they've gotten bigger and bigger, and he's like pushed the envelope in terms of what you can do in a movie because there's stuff in T2 that still looks good today, which is insane because we get new stuff that looks trash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get a new Jurassic World movie that looks trash at times. And he's made something that way back in 1990, whenever they're shooting that or making it, looks amazing. And there's rough spots, obviously, in all those movies, but I don't know. He's just he's a visionary, and we we should almost all of us should just bow down before him. <laughs> it's worship, worship Jimmy C hour. I love it. And it's hard. I was thinking with, with directors like Scorsese or, or Spielberg, and they've done so many movies, so many great movies. And James has done so, so few movies, but if you could only take one filmography and those were the movies you could watch, you can never see Spielberg film again or you can never see a Cameron film again, like which ones are you going to want to rewatch? And it's actually, with only eight movies, it's hard for me to say I would rather have Spielberg. Because I, I honestly think I would rather have Cameron's filmography and watch those movies. Honestly, yeah. And that's insane. Because Spielberg's done dozens and dozens of good, great masterpieces, like mm-hmm. in that range. And it's, it's so wild. I don't know. Something about James Cameron. Again, going back to what I said at the beginning, we're going full circle. It feels right to have a James Cameron movie in theaters, a big one. 
Well, you could always couple this with Babylon, because I think Babylon is like three hours, right? There's a full day right there, eight hours, full work day. That looks terrible. Now, before the I, we got some IMAX exclusives, and all these are online at this moment. Uh, we were supposed to get a Creed three like first look in IMAX. Didn't get that, so that kind of pissed me off. But we got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It was about a five-minute look at them doing this crazy-ass stunt that there's a moment we follow Tom Cruise on this ramp. He jumps over this cliff, and then I'm assuming it's the drone shot, just shoots right down, and we we see him just falling to his death, basically. And my <laughs> gut, my gut seriously dropped because it looked so amazing in IMAX. That looks fantastic. And you can tell, it's funny to watch that because McQuarrie's watch, Christopher McQuarrie, the director, is watching Tom do this stunt from the monitors, and he looks like he's about to vomit. <laughs> yes. It's like, the one, I think they are good friends. So it's like my friend, the biggest piece of this film, one of the biggest action stars of all time, could literally die right here because he's doing this insane stunt. So it is, it's crazy to see the stakes so high. That looks amazing. And then what was the other? Oh, we got the Oppenheimer trailer, mm -hmm. which is now online. Looks way better than I expected. Much better. Looks like it's going to be a tense thriller, which I didn't. I was, I don't know, I was kind of indifferent on it. And then that trailer's amazing. We get, I think, like a two-second shot of Jack Quaid, mm -hmm. which I love. I love that he's in a freaking Nolan film. Yeah. I mean, this movie is stacked. This has an, an incredible cast. It looks amazing. It looks, just watching them, you know, preparing to watch the bomb explode for the first time, like that, it actually kind of, the power of that and then what it could mean and the destruction, it actually like makes me sick to my stomach. It, the whole trailer was just filled with this crazy sense of dread that I did not expect. So that looks really good. Both of those things look incredible. I will say that the Oppenheimer, I did not get either of those in the theater uh, since it was not an IMAX. I watched Oppenheimer first, and then I watched Mission Impossible, and it dropped like the extended cut online. Which oh, is about wow. five minutes longer yeah. than and what like, we got. It's, it's so it's it's crazy. It's almost 10 minutes, and I love it. I love every second, and I've saved that video. I will go back and rewatch that over and over until that movie comes out. Makes me so incredibly hyped for it. I love it. One moment, Cruz is just, he's like, we need to test. I don't know if he's testing like the parachutes. So he just like jumps off the thing. He's yeah. not even on the bike. He just like, like, see ya. And he jumps off. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this guy, this guy has a death wish. I love how it starts with him. Oh, no, that was the teaser where he's, it's teasing and he jumps from a helicopter and he's talking and he's like, oh, I better get back to work. And he's just like talking midair. It's like, oh, I'm not falling. I'm not falling to earth. No big deal. The guy's amazing. I mean, just knowing that he does this for our entertainment, it's kind of sick, but I also love it. And I feel like everyone else loves it too, based on the comments. I think he's doing it beyond entertaining us. I do believe that's a big part of it, but I think he, it's something inside of him that he needs. It's like people are like climbing like mountains and crap, you know? It's feeding something inside of him. I could see that. I could see that for sure. And we're here for it. So before we go, we're doing something for the first time. Um, we usually are recording in two different states. You're not in Missouri at the moment. You're 
with family in Colorado. And tomorrow, you're going to be staying, we mentioned this last time on the, on the podcast, you're going to be staying at the infamous slash famous Stanley Hotel, also known as, in my head, the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Are, are you excited? I know you're excited, but like being one day, are you going in the morning? Like when are you doing this? Yeah. So, and things have changed kind of a little bit, but we're expecting, like they're expecting snow here. Yeah. But as you're going to get snowed in, in, man, you're going to be stuck there I, for like, yeah. <laughs> for like seven days. I can only freaking hope because as we were driving into Denver, we came across, about which is where hour, you're, you're there right now, Denver. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as we were driving in, had about an hour and a half of driving through areas where it had snowed and we assumed that it was overnight and there's a lot of snow in some places but as we got closer to Denver no snow now the hotel is an hour almost an hour and a half north west of Denver in Estes Park and we're leaving in the morning so at the time of this recording literally um, this time tomorrow night, I will have just done the Shining tour at the hotel 24 hours from now, um, which I found out some very interesting things about that. I will get to that here in a minute. Um, but so right now at the time of the recording, we haven't gone, but by the time this is posted, I will have finished going to the Stanley Hotel. I'll be back in Denver. So I um, am so incredibly hyped. I'm getting actually nervous because I want to end up taking photos and video and I just want to enjoy the experience but it's just not the threat of snow but it's just what's going to go wrong (laughs) it's going to mess this up and it's funny because I'm going with my dad and it's just the two of us he is so incredibly hyped for it as well and in addition to us going there we're going to arrive in the morning And then we're going to tour a little bit, and we can't check in until 4 o'clock, but we want to tour and check things out in the daylight and get some photos and video and all that stuff, because guess what? Outside, there's a miniature version, a smaller-scale version of the maze Mm. outside of the hotel. I really hope it just, like, you're drenched with snow. (laughs) So did you figure out that we kind of joked... You know, if you are forced to stay there because of weather, do you have to pay for that? Do you know yet? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I should have asked them last night because I called and I ended up changing our reservations, which I need to uh, change out a little bit more because by the time we get there, we want to do all the outdoor stuff. And then in the evening, we're going to eat at a restaurant there, which is like a pricey restaurant, but it's like not like super pri- it's like in middle of the road i guess you could say but it's it's still like you're paying a lot for like a meatloaf is made with bison and lamb or something like that yeah and you're on a trip so i guess my argument is you're probably going to spend some but it's worth it right yeah oh yeah and then so in addition to that there is the shining tour so we're going to do dinner we're going to you know yeah, go back to the room for a second and then we're going to go on the shining tour and then on the Shining Tour, they reveal, they take us around, they tell us a little bit about the hotel, the spirit, stuff like that, and it's meeting with the Shining. Then they will reveal, take us to a prop from the movie. And I just found this out last night, and this is 
My dad does not know this, but they told me, and I am so hyped. It's the freaking axe from the movie. Did they use? Is that the one that he like actually used to beat down the door? I'm I'm actually I I, I hope we get to like get up close and look at it because that I hope so too. I really hope that's the axe that he uses to chop in to get to Danny and Wendy because I just like. And that is just gaining my excitement, uh, causing me to gain more excitement because I'm just thinking more and more and more about this. It's basically haunting me. I'm turning into Jack Torrance because I'm thinking about Jack Torrance and his family. And I just can't stop like obsessing over this. And it's funny because I came out here, as you mentioned, for family. And we've been with them for two days now. And it's great. And now it's kind of like a break in the week. And then we're doing this, and this is so incredibly different. It's like, you know, doing a 180, and this is something that, as a kid, I've wanted to do. And even my dad is like, you know, for since the movie came out in 80, it's now been for 42 years. I'd say that would be cool to go there, and now that's actually happening. And it's a huge bucket list item for me. Yeah, and and it's funny because I asked my sister last night the same of what we were talking about i said hey um you know would you all be up for going and touring you know like estes park which is where the stanley hotel is here in colorado would you be interested in doing that in a couple of years like say four or five years maybe six years and she said yeah that'd be great i'm like and that way we could stay at uh, the Stanley Hotel and dress up my niece like Danny. And she was like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> She's like, we are not staying at the Stanley Hotel. I will not go anywhere. And she'll like, we'll drive by it. But she's like, I'm not staying there. I'm not taking my daughter into <laughs> the Stanley Hotel. Now to and get she, to the hotel, do you have to weave around the mountain like they do in the movie? I think yes. And that's kind of freaky. It is. And I wish I had my drone pilot's license to be able to shoot. But it's also weird because that is national... To a property, so I don't know if I would actually be able to do that without a larger permit, which is technically that would take a lot more time, and so that's more, much more of a headache. But in terms of the, um, in terms of like going into the hotel, they have a gate, and apparently, it's and I do, I haven't seen it from the outside, but I will take photos and video when we get there. But apparently, there's a giant gate, and they literally close it if you aren't going in or if you're not parking. Which I find to be interesting. I, you got to do that to shoo away any people that, you know, are just are, like are, are just wanting to take pics or something. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure that's it because they said, just when you pull up, show them that you've got a reservation, they'll let you ride in. I'm like, no. Wow, what happens if I if I go up there and I'm like, I want to book a room? Can I do that on the fly? That's a good question. I I mean, I assume so. Got so many questions right now. But if what would be funny is if you do that, but you only do that to sneak in, take photos, and then leave. <laughs> well, I'm jealous. I wish we could do that. And you said it's it's really cold there. It's about 37 here in East Tennessee. And yeah, so it's feeling it, like winter for sure. I can't imagine Colorado right now. So no joke. The temperature is going to drop. Wednesday morning on the drive back, it's going to be negative 11. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was looking at Kansas City for this upcoming Chiefs game this weekend. And over the weekend, Christmas, it's in the negatives too. And that's... Oh, 
boy. It's absurd. It's, I wanna it's go. Absurd. It's like, I want to go to Pandora. <laughs> oh, yeah. We walked me out too. of the theater, no joke, and it was cold. And I was like, I want to go to Pandora. Get me to that beachy Pandora. You know, it's funny because here in Colorado, it right now, tonight it's not bad. It's like 35 degrees, but it's, it feels so much colder. Um, this is my first time experiencing the winter here in Colorado. I was here in the summer, now winter. Uh, and the, tomorrow it's supposed to be 48 with a low of 26. Uh, Wednesday, um, it uh, is like 50, but then it, it the bottom falls out and goes all the way to negative 11. Goodness. And That's, that... I feel like Colorado is... Um, we're in a fairly warm area, and we would like to go further east or further east slash south mm-hmm. to where it's warm almost all the time. But Colorado seems like a fun trip for like what you're doing the holidays. Like let's go mm-hmm. there for a week, enjoy the snow and then come back to the warm climate. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, I like it for that reason because we were out, we, we met just randomly cause we were out walking. We met one of my sister's friends and she was like, this makes me question why I moved to Colorado with yeah. this temperature. I don't mind the cold. I I enjoy it less and less as I've gotten older, and I just want to be in by the ocean. Yeah, I'm. That's where definitely like I getting older. I've always loved warmer climates, but like to live, you know, that way it just you don't. There's less bundling up, less of like I went out for a walk this morning, and it's just like the freaking wind would just it felt like it was cutting my face and after a while it's just like your body acclimates but still there's just enough of that where i'm like yeah it's like do i do i want this a year in a year out i don't think so yeah exactly so um but yeah honestly i i i hope there's like a thin layer of snow or any snow on the ground going to the stanley hotel as we drive because that will just set the mood even more and I think there there should be there should be some snow on the ground, but um, now what are you gonna if do if you walk outside? There's snow, and you see like a blood trail. <laughs> <laughs> do you follow it or do you go back and like I, I'm I'm not going out there? Now that makes me wish that I brought some fake blood and I would end up doing <laughs> that, and I would like put it out there in the snow, and then the, like the groundskeepers would freak out, and I would be tempted to follow that. Mm. But I oh, wouldn't I, go into the no maze. There's no way in hell I'd do that. I wouldn't go into the like if it That'd were be funny to have the blood trail lead to that. <laughs> and so the guy also, I forgot to say this, the guy on the phone told me that the maze, there have been some people who have actually gotten stuck in this maze as well. So that was fun. This could be our last and episode that, of the year. I don't know. We'll probably do something. We'll probably do one more. And then if you, for whatever reason, get hacked up at the Stanley... I'll make sure this is edited and it'll be your your goodbye. Uh, so if that happens, it's like, well, then I know that he ended up following the blood trail into the maze. I do appreciate you doing this podcast. I know you didn't have to do it. This is a long one. This is a supersized one. and I Supersized for a supersized movie. I was thinking too, not to go back to Avatar, we can keep this brief. But I was thinking about Wakanda Forever and how I haven't really thought of it that much since it came out. I think I'm going to be thinking about this one for quite a, yeah. quite a while. And this is probably 
one of my favorite movies Hands of the year down. of in terms of like the big the bigger releases. Hands down. And I, yeah, this is definitely I feel and I don't I don't want to be shooting myself in the foot, but immediate reaction is this will probably be in my top 5 of the year. Oh, that's hard. It is tough. Now I say that immediately. I going back and looking at some movies, I I can't guarantee that, but I feel like top 10 for sure. Top 5 uh, feeling pretty likely. I do know it's no Top Gun Maverick. See, that's another movie that's like a spectacle that you have to see on the big screen. But man, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was one of the 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 more entertaining big screen yeah. movies that we saw this year. I mean, both. If you were to do this in Top Gun Maverick, this would be a solid double feature on the big screen. Like that's worth going to the movies. Those two movies alone. Oh, I should say too. In my crowd, we had a good crowd for nine in the morning. I'd say it was about. 50, 40 to 50% full, which maybe isn't a lot in a huge auditorium for the IMAX. But for nine in the morning, I thought it's pretty good. There was a guy, maybe, I think he was like three rows of, in, in front of me. And for the bulk of the movie, he was leaning forward. He had his elbows and arms rested on the seat in front of him. And his, his hand, his head was like resting on the armrest. And he was like so immersed in this movie <laughs> so i i found found myself fascinated by this man he was so into the movie um and at the end it ends the credits are going he stands up with without any hint of sarcasm and he he clapped oh he loved it he loved it was that you did you feel like that could have been you Mm, I mean, I was into it, but I wasn't like leaning forward like that. Uh, but he caught my eye about halfway through, and then I found myself constantly going back to him, like, "Oh, he's still leaning forward." And then he'd lean back every once in a while, and he—he he was one of those guys that I bet when the original one came out, he got the pads. Oh yeah, the post Avatar disorder, whatever it was called. <laughs> he was—he did not want to leave it, and this was the same way I. I bet he went out and bought another ticket for this movie, and he went to see a double feature of Avatar 2, the same movie back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Solid, solid. Um, But like you said, this ended up being an extended director's cut, James Cameron edition of Quality Check Podcast. I guess you'll just have to tune in next time to find out whether or not I survived the Stanley Hotel. (laughs) 